0: There's nothing like the element of surprise. Being a pastor, I have done a lot of weddings in my years of ministry, and I've even done some for members of my own family. But the most memorable wedding that I have ever been a part of happened to be my own. I know that sounds selfish whenever you think about all the weddings that you've done, but there's a reason for that. You see, as a pastor, I am often asked to be a part of surprises that tend to take place in the planning of the wedding ceremonies. And typically, most often, 99.9% of the time, it's the bride who likes to provide a surprise to the groom during the service. So I'm usually in on the surprise considering the fact that I am leading the service. Well, on May the 19th of 2001, I happened to be on the receiving end of it. Angela and I and the whole bridal party showed up to the rehearsal the night before and we walked through all the elements of the service with our pastor. I was excited, but I was also nervous at the same time. You see, contrary to popular belief, even though I stand before you here every single Sunday and I lead worship and I preach in front of you, and even though I'm on live stream and on YouTube and feel like a televangelist now that we've done this pandemic thing together, I don't like attention. I'm not one of those people who like to be in the spotlight. And the problem with weddings is you can't escape that because when you get married, everyone comes to be there to support you and your spouse to be. And so everyone had gathered to join us for our wedding celebration. So I was more nervous about standing up in front of anyone uh, and having everyone's eyes right there on me and Angela during this moment. So we gathered for the service just as we rehearsed. Everyone was there. Family and friends came from near and far, and there were probably close to 300 people in this sanctuary all staring at us. And everything was happening just as planned, just as we rehearsed, until the pastor finished his sermon. And in that moment, Angela took my hand, and she grabbed a microphone, and she said that she loved me, and she began to sing a song directly to me in front of everyone gathered there in the sanctuary. Well, apparently, everyone at the wedding, including the bridal party, knew that she was going to do that except for me. Surprise! surprise, she sang a beautiful song by Stephen Curtis Chapman called I Will Be Here. I was surprised, I was touched, and I even shed some tears in that moment because it was a very special moment. Everyone was in on the surprise, but Angela was most excited to surprise me with this special song of love. And I'll never forget it because... Angela shared the very gift with me that caused me to fall in love with her. I remember when we were in college together going to church and I would see her sing in front of so many people. She went to one of these mega churches in Asheville and she would be up there singing in front of everyone and I thought she had the most angelic voice of anyone. And it just was amazing to me and I loved to see her sing. And to me she still has that angelic voice. And she touches my heart every time that she sings in worship. You see, there's nothing like a good surprise, is there? As we wrap up our sermon series today on the songs of Christmas, we encounter one final song that is also a huge surprise to those who heard it. Most of us have become very familiar with the Christmas story from Luke's gospel. We know that Mary and Joseph were announced that they were going to have a baby. Mary became pregnant because of the Holy Spirit. And we also know that they had to travel to a place called Bethlehem because, well, the emperor had declared that everyone must go to their own town to register for a census that was taking place. What we fail to recognize is that these two little peasants who had barely nothing to their name were forced to leave their home and to travel 80 to 90 miles, which is about a five days journey along a very difficult and treacherous path, Mary fully pregnant, in the extreme heat, all the way to Bethlehem. This was not easy because they didn't have a lot to their name and probably didn't even have the funds to go there, much less to, well, pay for a place when they arrived so as you can imagine, Mary is full term and probably riding a donkey all the way to Bethlehem. And as they arrived there, the time came for her to have the baby away from family and friends. How apropos. She gives birth to a son and they name him Jesus, but there's no place for them to stay because everyone happens to be there for the census. And so they're forced to stay in a cave where the animals are kept stable. Nonetheless, despite all the difficulties that they faced along the way, despite the fact they had nothing to their name and God called them to do this thing that they didn't even expect was going to happen in their life, God provided for all of their needs and for the safe arrival for the Savior of the world. Luke tells us, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping their watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Surprise! Surprise! The birth announcement of the Savior of the world is given to common shepherds in fields watching their sheep at night. These blue-collar workers were considered roughnecks, and they had very little education. They represented the peasants of Israel, and they were not highly esteemed. Yet God chooses to announce the good news of the anticipated Messiah to come to them. In fact, Joseph, Jesus' father, is a descendant of King David who began his working career as what? A shepherd working for his father, Jesse. God chooses ordinary men, representatives of Israel, to learn of the Messiah's birth, the good shepherd who will one day lay his own life down for his sheep. But this surprise is like no other God sends his messengers as a part of this divine surprise. An angel of the Lord almost scares these shepherds to death as they show up out of nowhere to tell them what has transpired just near them. And then this angel then is accompanied by the great heavenly host, many more angels who have gathered there in the night sky who sing praises to the Lord and invite the shepherds to praise God as well. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That is their song. But you know, sometimes I think that we become so desensitized to what is going on here because we hear this story over and over and over again. This is a really, really big moment. One that Israel has been waiting for for a very, very long time. And as we've said before, Advent itself is a season of waiting. But if we're honest with ourselves, we only wait 28 days to get to Christmas Day every year that we celebrate the season of Advent. And now for our children who are waiting 28 long, gruesome days for Christmas Day to arrive so they can wake up and open presents, that's a really long time as a child. But to those of us who are older we recognize that in the grand scheme of time, 28 days is really nothing. We blink, and it's come, and it's gone. But Israel, Israel had been through an awful lot of waiting in their history. If you go back and read the Old Testament, you will find that Israel waited 400 years as slaves in Egypt for God to deliver them out of the hands of Pharaoh and slavery. Once God delivered them with the help of Moses and Aaron... Uh, They were led out of Egypt and into the wilderness and immediately they became disobedient and rather than following God's decrees they, they didn't listen and so they wandered around for another 40 years in the wilderness before they were able to cross the Jordan River and enter into the promised land. 440 years, that's a long time. But later on in Israel's history, God gave them a king. They asked for a king and God gave them Saul. And Saul was a good king to start with and then he kind of had his downfall. And so God raised up another king, King David, as you know. And David started out as a good king, but he had his own downfall. And then his son Solomon came to reign, and he was the wisest of all the people, but even Solomon had his downfall. And so following Solomon's reign, the kingdom of Israel split into Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And each of these kingdoms had kings. Some were good, some were bad. But the real thematic part of this time in the Old Testament is that Most of Israel refused to obey the Lord. God called out time and time again, return to me, return to me, repent and be forgiven. But the people refused. And God said, if you don't do this, something bad is going to happen to you. And they still refused. And so Israel is captured by the Assyrians and taken away from their homeland into exile Judah is ransacked by the Babylonians and they come and destroy their temple, kill many of them and take whoever's left back to Babylon where for 60 years they waited and waited and prayed that God would send a Messiah, a deliverer to come so that they could go back home and rebuild. 60 more years of waiting. God provides king. The king of Persia, Cyrus, who comes and delivers them from the hand of the Babylonians and allows them to go back home and to rebuild their temple and restore their land. But Israel still waited for God to send the Messiah who would come and rule their kingdom with justice and righteousness. In fact, if you really look at it, Israel waited a thousand years a thousand years for the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. Friends, that's a really, really long time. And today we find ourselves still dealing with this COVID pandemic two years about from when we first began. And to us, that seems like an eternity, but it pales in comparison to Israel's weight. When we reflect on what Israel has transpired and gone through and their weight. it can help us to some degree have a much better perspective on time. But it's no coincidence that once the angel of the Lord announces this great news that suddenly a multitude of the heavenly host appear in the night sky and they begin to praise God singing, Glory to God in the highest heaven. You see, what's important for you to understand, the thing that we often tend to forget is that the angels are part of this story too. And the angels have been waiting a very long time. The writer of Hebrews reminds us, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? We don't think often about the angels. We know they're actors in this unfolding drama of God's divine Plan, but we often give them little room when it comes to the whole of this story. They show up for a moment and then they're gone. The angels reside with the Lord in heaven and they've known about God's plan all along. I can only imagine what's going on in the kingdom of heaven as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are having a conversation about how redemption, and about how reconciliation, and how salvation would be accomplished. And all the while they're having this conversation, the angels in heaven are listening in to this great plan. So when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden and they were kicked out, God already had a plan for that. As an architect pulls out her drawings to reveal them to the master builders, so God reveals the master plan of what must take place. And the angels are right there, paying attention. For God knows the perfect time for everything to unfold. And God will drop hints along the way to his prophets, proclaiming to everyone to get ready for the Messiah to come. But the angels, the angels knew the plan all along. And throughout their time, they played their part just as they were supposed to when God would call them to minister to God's people along the way. But they've also been waiting a long time to announce this good news of God's salvation in Jesus. Because they're in on this secret and they desperately want to surprise the shepherds with the message of a Savior who will change absolutely everything. They've been waiting for God's perfect plan to be revealed from heaven to earth, And they've been waiting for the glory of God to break into this sinful world that has eagerly awaited for its own redemption. Yes, they've been waiting for heaven and earth to collide as the voice of God cries from the crib of a manger bed declaring that God's promise has now been fulfilled. And after thousands of years of waiting, the moment has finally arrived. Surprise, surprise you shepherds, it is time, don't be scared, rejoice, for you are in on the good news and we'll get to see the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, the descendant of David that you have been waiting on with your very own eyes and we'll tell you exactly where he is. Surprise, the wait. The wait is finally over. Now we understand more clearly why the angels rejoiced and they shouted praise to God that night. For they had longed for the day that God's perfect plan would unfold. And they longed to declare it as the best news that Israel and all the peoples would ever receive. And so they sing, proclaiming the faithfulness of God, whose promises are never broken. And their song of praise invites these shepherds in the fields to worship God right where they are, turning their hearts from fear to joy. As they praise God, they also declare God's perfect peace coming upon the whole earth, for God's favor and God's grace rests upon everyone. And this element of surprise, this glorious birth announcement, God's love song to the world, leads the shepherds to abandon their flocks, of which they are charged to take care of, to find this baby right where the angels had declared. Luke tells us this. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You see, I find it interesting That the shepherds who were surprised by the angels' news not only found Jesus just as they said, but they decided to let everyone else in on the surprise of this good news too. They were excited that God had chosen them to behold the long-awaited Messiah, but they were equally excited to share it with everyone that they could. And the angels' song of praise also filled their own hearts with joy as they returned home, praising God for what they had experienced and beheld in the face of the infant Jesus. As we gather on this last Sunday of Advent, we celebrate the fulfillment of God's promise in Jesus Christ who comes for us. We celebrate the greatest surprise of all, rejoicing that the first Advent has come. And that the gift of God's salvation is made complete through the child who saves us from our sins. And as we hear this good news shared once again that Jesus has come to us. May we like the angels and the shepherds offer nothing but praise to God declaring glory to God in the highest heaven. For God's goodness, for God's love, for God's grace and for God's promises Fulfilled, And as we do that, may we also, like the shepherds, rejoice that we too have been included in the good news, the greatest surprise of all. And rather than holding it close to ourselves, let us also spread this good news that others might be surprised with the same joy, the joy of the unconditional love and mercy of Almighty God who meets us right where we are. For friends, there is nothing like a good surprise. And the good news of the story is that while the angels waited all these years to be a part and finally announce it to those shepherds and to the world, God has included us in his divine plan that together we become the messengers of this good news, that we might be people who participate in God's surprise with those who need to hear it most. So My prayer is that we would do just that, as we seek to be faithful to the story and to the story that God has called all of us into together. Friends, may we do so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.